Hey, this is Evan Jackson, Video Production Director of New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that today's message will not only challenge, but encourage and inspire you to see God's purpose for you. Enjoy the message. We have an exciting opportunity this morning, because, and it's exciting for me because I get to listen to the Word of God this morning. I told you that some visitors would be coming through and speaking, and today is one of those days. Um, I got to know this man of God just in the last few months, um, and I'm going to really appreciate him. Um, when I was, a few weeks ago, you heard me say I was going through a little bit of dark time, uh, depression, things like that. This man took the opportunity to notice and ask me what's going on and pray with me. And I really appreciate the blooming friendship that we have and, uh, uh, he's between ministries right now. He's uh, waiting on God to direct and uh, call him to a new pastorate or whatever God has for him. So I want to introduce to you a newfound friend of mine. He's been sitting among you for months now. Uh, would you come on up, Richard? Richard Walker, God bless you. Thank you for coming, giving me a break. I want to say hi to his beautiful wife, Rochelle. She's amazing. You guys haven't got a chance to know them. They got some good kids, too, but hey, we won't talk about that too much. But uh, thank you very much. Well, good. So, church in a movie theater. What's up with that? <laughs> or church in a mall. Come on. I mean, what, what, you go to Target, get some shoes, and then all of a sudden you pick up, pick up some communion? And I was I had never seen anything like that before. I grew up where... You know, men come to church in suits and ties. My mother would be horrified if she saw me like this, you know, just in a shirt. Oh, we got a brother over here. He, he, yeah, he understands. So that's certainly something I never see before. But honestly, um, it sounded very refreshing to me as COVID hit because around February of this year, I unexpectedly had to leave my church. I guess you can call me sort of a prodigal pastor. My name is Richard Walker, otherwise known as Pastor Rich. And I've been serving my very conservative Baptist church for over 10 years, and I loved it. I loved my church, still love my church. I started as a deacon. Actually, I started mowing the grass at the church. You know, they needed a volunteer, and I loved that. Then I became a deacon, I started teaching Sunday school and Bible studies, and I got this amazing opportunity to preach at a pastor's conference in Liberia, uh, Liberia, West Africa. And then eventually I was called by the elders in my church to be associate pastor, and it was a wonderful experience. And however, about de- December of the same year, this um, that would have been 2018, uh, my beloved Senior pastor, my friend, my mentor, went home to be with the Lord after a long battle with cancer. And I was called to be the full-time pastor of my church. So I quit my job as a warehouse supervisor, and I started pastoring the church for the year, for 2019. And it was quite a year. It was a lot of amazing spiritual highs and spiritual lows. And I really feel for full-time pastors, lead pastors like Pastor Dave that carries on a ministry, it is more difficult than you think. And I hope everyone 
makes it a regular practice of of praying for Pastor Dave, his family, and Pastor Ariel, because they need it. They will not be able to make it without your prayers and your support. A lot of study and a lot of prayer. I came to the realization I have some different doctrinal views that are far different than the ones at my previous church. And I was no longer qualified to be the pastor when I uh, spoke to the congregation about it. And many people wanted me to stay and love it, were okay with it. I decided it was best that I step down so there wouldn't be any strife or division in the church because there was a, a church split brewing and I didn't want to be a part of that, be a part of division in the church. So I stepped down. So fast forward to 2020 in February, I heard about a church in the mall. I'm like, that's for me. I'm going to sit in the back, have my drink and my popcorn and just coast. You know, so I loved it. But uh, needless to say, that was a dark period of my life. And um, I figured I'd just coast for a while. I didn't want to serve. I didn't need minutes. I just want to coast. But I hope you know that God doesn't want any of us to coast. And I learned that because as I was walking out of the movie theater, you know, you know, grab some more snacks before I left, all of a sudden, I hear someone say, Richard Walker? Is that you? What are you doing here? Are you still pastoring at? And I was like, oh, hi, how you doing? I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, good, good to see you, brother. He's like, no, 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 no. You're not there? Here, come, come meet Pastor Dave. You gotta meet him. He'd love to meet you. And I was like, no. Because as I said, God doesn't want any of us to coast. And apparently God and Pastor Dave had different ideas for me. God wants us to have new life. New life. I love that. I love the name of this fellowship. New life. That's what he wants for you too. He wants that for every one of us. You see, I think I changed the big idea. New life is the destiny of all believers in Christ. That's my big idea, this message. And we call this process of acquiring new life sanctification. And that's going to be the main topic of my message this morning. But it would be foolish of me to try to bring God's word without first look, asking the Lord for prayer and that he will give me grace to pray for that. So will you pray with me? Ask the Lord's blessing on the preaching of his word. Oh, Lord God, it is a fearful thing to uh, preach your word. Lord, we know that teachers will have a more stricter judgment. I pray for much grace that your anointing will be upon my lips. And I only say what you'll have me to say and that you'll meet the need of every person here because we all need to be sanctified. Will you accomplish that this morning? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, Sanctification 101. It's an introduction. We're not going into huge depth. 101 course. Three points are going to be know, consider, and present. And I get that. Uh, our scripture is going to be from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. If you have your Bibles, if you have it on your phone, it would be good to just pull it out. I'm going to read this section of it so we get the full, um, full flavor of what God has to say to us this morning. Romans 6, verses 1 through 13. Book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of believers that he didn't know, but he wanted them to know about Christ and all that Christ did for him and about sanctification. It reminds me of me. I don't know. I'm very new here. I don't know many of you, and I'd like to get to know many of you, but 
I want to talk to you about sanctification too. Now, when I sent my, uh, as you're getting there, as I sent my notes to Pastor Dave, he told me, he said, wow, you have a lot of verses there. Uh, and I was like, oh, is it going to take too long? Do you want me to cut it down? He said, no, no problem. We'll just cut your mic if you go too long. So, <laughs> so I figured that there's going to be some points I'm just going to breeze through, run through. This is not going to be a full exposition of this, uh, this uh, verse. But let's, let's start with verse 1, Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There it is, new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passion. And do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness of those, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought to life and your members as instruments for righteousness. It's the word of the Lord. Okay. So, our first, uh, we talked about sanctification. It's the act of, uh, it's the act of, making or declaring something holy. And sanctification fulfills our promise of new life found in Christ. This church needs to be all about sanctification. All Christians need to know about this and to be about growing, changing, and having new life in Christ. Hebrews 12, 14 tells us this. Did I add it? Strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness or sanctification, same word, without which we will not see the Lord. And as I read this uh, passage, you saw that Paul wants us to know some things. I tried to highlight it a little bit. Do you not know that in verse 3? Verse 6 says, we know that. In verse 9, we know. Paul wants you to know something. At first, he doesn't want you to do anything. Christian life doesn't start with doing. It's not about working our way up. It starts with knowing some things. And the first and most important thing, and because of the issue of time, I'm just going to get into the first thing that Paul wants us to know. There are about six things, but we're going to really highlight the first thing. And the most important thing is God wants us to know that grace is not a license to sin. Do you guys know that? Grace is not a license to sin. Romans 6, we're going to start with 1 and 2 again. 
What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Now, I think there are two ways of approaching this idea of sin versus grace. We know what grace is, that Jesus Christ, that cross over there, I love it. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world, and anyone who believes in him can be saved. And I hope that's what you hear. I hope everybody has done that. But then we think about it. Well, if Jesus Christ died for all my sins, you know, what do I do with the sins I continue to do? I don't know about anybody here, but I still sin. You know, I, I still fall short of the glory of God. I still struggle. And I think there's two ways of approaching this. The first is a sort of cavalier, cocky way, and it's very dishonest. It's dishonest to the Word of God, the Bible. And this type of person, he thinks something like this. Um, so I love to sin, and God loves to forgive my sins, so that sounds like a marriage made in heaven, right? So let's not worry about it. Let's just live like the world, right? And what's Paul's answer to that? What is it? By no means, God forbid, may it never be. No, that doesn't work. It's not in the tenor of the Bible, of course. That's not the attitude of someone who is a true believer in Christ. No way. But then there's a more honest way that I want to think about that many of us struggle with. And how would someone come to that conclusion after reading the book of Romans? Of course, we've jumped right into the middle of the book of Romans. But he said a few things before that, and he said some things that may have confused the believers in Rome when they read this letter. I think maybe um, Romans 5.20 may have confused the believers. He said this in Romans 5.20. If you have your Bibles, just turn back a chap, uh, a page or so. It says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded or increased all the more. Yeah, so that seems a little confusing, does it? Oh, it sounds like God gave us the law. You know, the law is the Ten Commandments or all the, all the stuff in the Bible that God wants us to do or the law in our hearts, our conscience that tells us what we do, what we do is right. It tells us that was right and, with it. and it makes us feel guilty when we do things that are wrong. When we violate our conscience or we break the law, there's more grace. We can't out God. So, the, the dilemma is, Jesus died for all my, all my sins. What do I now do with all the sins that I'm struggling with? What do I do? You know, would I live just like a spiritual lecher, lecher, lecher? You know, just sin one day, two steps forward, one step back, three steps back, and just live like, you know, there's no power in that. There's no joy in that for the Christian. And if you're a true believer, you know, you know, we can't just let sin abound so that grace will increase. That's not how we want to live. No more than I could just sit in the back of the auditorium and just be on the sidelines when God has given me gifts and talents to use for the church. So how do we, appro uh, how do we approach our relationship to sin as believers who desire new Christ, new life in Christ, who desire sanctification? Well, first thing we have to know is that Sin leads to spiritual death. Sin leads to death. And spiritual death is not the destiny of the believer. Sanctification is. New life is our destiny. And I want to illustrate this to you. Um, and I have to give you warnings if you're squeamish. 
It's going to be, uh, if you're squeamish, you might want to turn away. You might not see, look at this. If you're on the camera at home, you, you might want to, you know, turn your head, all right? Unless you're like a three-year-old or a 10-year-old boy, you're going to love this. This is going to be great, all right? So I told you that I went back to working in my, you know, I work at a warehouse. I went back to working in my um, normal kind of job. I went to working in a warehouse, and this is my knife uh, that I use to, cut boxes and straps and stuff like that. I work with my hands a lot. I'm always lifting things, carrying strap and pallets, and I work with my hands a lot. And this is a pretty sharp knife. If you touch it, it's definitely sharp. But look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't hurt one bit. Why is that? Because I have calluses on my hand. Yeah, calluses on my hand. What are calluses? They're dead skin, right? <laughs> dead skin. So how does that happen? You know, as I said, rubbing things, picking things up, you know, with my hands, it has calluses. If you, I could just slice these off. It wouldn't even, it wouldn't even bother me. I don't even feel it. The skin is dead. It's useless. So what's my point with this? Constant, unrepentant sin is like friction rubbing up against skin over time. And what's skin? My, this skin, I couldn't do that to this skin right here because it's soft. It's still malleable. It, it would hurt. But over time, you keep rubbing that skin, what happens? It becomes hard, calloused. It doesn't have any feeling anymore. That's what happens when we constantly sin. We just don't worry about it. Act like, oh, there's enough grace. Don't worry about it. We just forget about it. You can't because over time, that calluses start to form on your heart. And calloused heart can lead to spiritual death. And spiritual death is not the destiny of the believer in Christ. Our destiny is what? New life, sanctification. Ephesians 4, 17 through 20 says, Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greediness, to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learn Christ. Brothers and sisters, that's not how we learn Christ. We can't play around with sin in our lives. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. God is not looking down on us with a magnifying glass, looking to see what we're doing wrong. He's not saying, oh, man, Richard, if he, he sins one, no, two more times, two more strikes, and then he's out. No, God's not saying that. You can't out God's grace. The Bible, but the Bible does declare that just as rubbing your hand over rubs hard surfaces over time can lead to dead sin, just as that, so too does practicing unresentant sin leads to spiritual death. And we see this every day, don't we? Don't we? We see people like this. You've heard of the man who was faithful, and I worry about this for myself, tell you the truth, who is faithfully serving the Lord for many years. All of a sudden, Little sin after this, little this, little pornography, a little this, little flirting around, little, little this. And before you know it, 
after several years, he's, got a, he's dumped his wife, got a new family, doing things, doesn't go to church anymore. And it can happen to any one of us. So we don't play around with sin. You see, my hands didn't become like this overnight. It takes time. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to take sin seriously and know that we have died to it. And that's the first and most important thing um, that we need to know about our sanctification. Now, I'm just going to just breeze through some of the rest of the verses and get to the next part. It won't be as long, uh, as long. So Romans 6, 3 through 5 talks about our baptism. Baptism in the first century uh, just simply means to dip. It's not, even a, it's not even an English word. It's a Greek word. It's just transliterated. And what they would do is they would dip cloth in or baptize it into dye, and then it would come out the color of whatever they uh, dipped it in. And we are dipped into or baptized into Christ. You know, you, uh, I see on the website, you saw the baptisms that Pastor Dave was doing, dipping someone and coming out of the water. And what are we supposed to have the character of when we come out of that water? What does it symbolize? It symbolizes we're supposed to have the character of Christ. We're supposed to be like him. So that's what we need to know. Um, so that's the, the third thing we need to know from verse 6, that we were crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing and that we're no longer enslaved to sin. See, we were once, before we knew Christ, enslaved to sin. The image in here is that crucifixion. Crucifixion is pretty gruesome, you know, right? Having nails pounded through your hands. I think about what my Lord did for me, and, oh, I give him thanks for that. But if you read the Bible, which I'm going to encourage, if you read through the Bible, you're going to see a lot of blood and guts in the Bible. Why? Because that's how God feels about sin. He may love every one of us. He does. But sin kills. And that's why the Bible's so bloody. That's why we need to consider, know ourselves, that we were crucified with Christ. We don't, we don't have to be slave to that anymore. Fourth thing. Uh, Paul wants to know that dead people don't sin. And also dead people don't go to prison. I get that from Romans 6-7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And this is good news. This is great news. When you're struggling against sin, you know what? When you're struggling, when you wrestle with sin, that proves that you're a believer. You know that? That proves that God has a new spirit again in you, that you have been born again. That's why you feel like, oh, guilty. You're like, oh, I did that again. I can't believe it. Because when you're born again, you can no longer freely, not that you'll never do it, but you can no longer freely look at pornography anymore or disobey your parents' kids or gossip and hurt people with their words or just live in sin. You can't do it anymore. And God has a plan. God has a desire for you to know that you can be sanctified. You have to know that you have died with Christ and there's no more joy with sin. You're dead to that. So let me pause here and say, how about you, brothers and sisters? Have you died yet? Are you dead to sin? Do you know yourself to be dead to sin, no longer living in it? I hope so. I hope you have died to your old way of life and you are being sanctified in Christ. Because dead here doesn't mean corpse. 
You, know, you see, when the Bible says we are dead, it doesn't mean like we're you know, like uh, laying on the ground dead or in a uh, corpse. It means that we're separated. You know the parable of the prodigal son. He was dead. He was separated from his father. That's how everyone is, is before, when they're outside of Christ. They're separated from the father. But God doesn't want you to be separated. He doesn't want anyone to be separated from him any longer. He loves you. God loves you. Every one of you. He loves believers and non-believers also. And he's waiting and he's longing for you to come back home to the Father. That is the destiny of every believer, to no longer be separated from the Father. And he wants us to be sanctified in him. Is that you? I hope so. Um, I have number five on this. Dead people don't get punished. You know that? You never see um, at a funeral a police uh, breaking up a funeral and say, hey, I, I, and arresting this guy, right? No, he's dead. All of, your, all of your past deeds are done when you're dead. Verse 8, I'm trying to go fast here. I don't want my mic to get cut off. <laughs> Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live in him. That's just sort of a parathetical thought. Just want you to know there's an if there. That means if you're not, if these things don't apply for you, that means that you are not in Christ. So that's something to um, consider. And number five, the fifth thing in Romans 6, 9, and 10, we learn that uh, Christ died once. You know that? He died once. And if we've died with him, because what if true is Christ is true of us, it's only once. Once and for all. So all that past is done. What is true of Christ's death is a one-time experience for the believer. And if you have died with Christ, your sins are put away. And you are free to walk in newness of life. So what do you know, brothers and sisters? Do you know that Christianity is different than many, most all of the religions? It's a thinking person's religion. It's not something you're just born into. It's a thinking person. You need, to, you need to know some things. And it's based upon acting on what you know. And my question is, how do you know what you need to know in order to walk in newness of life and fulfill your destiny? Let me say that again. How do you know what you need to know in order to walk in newness of life and fulfill your destiny. Right here. Word of God. That's how you know. I talked about some things that we know from this chapter, but there's a whole lot of things that God wants you to know. Know about him. Because he loves you, and when you love someone, you want to know about them. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man, woman, or child who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And what will the result be if the person who does that? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither, and all he does prospers. That's new life. That's sanctification. That's your destiny. That's what God wants for you. And it starts by getting this into your life. We're going to talk a little bit more about that very shortly in the application section of how we do that. All right. The second point is coming from Romans 6.11. Second point is consider 
So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, the word for uh, consider is one of the most important uh, words, concepts in Christianities. And it's called logizomai. Now, I'm not trying to throw out fancy Greek words to show you how uh, smart I am. No, it's not like this. But this is a word that I think that everyone should know. We don't have it? Okay. Logizomai. And it means to consider, to reckon, or to count. Let me show you how it's used in the book of Romans. Speaking of Abraham, Romans 4, 20 through 21 goes like this. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, that is why his, that's Abraham's faith, was counted or considered, logizomai, to be righteousness. But it was, it was, but the words it was counted to him was not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord. So what this is saying is God takes our faith, our trust in him, and he considers, counts, reckons it as righteousness. I mean, but I still sin. How does God do that? How does he take something that it's not? Faith is not righteous. Just because I believe in God doesn't make me good in and of itself. God is good. So how is he able to do that? Well, the cross. Cross. That's how we did it. And um, Jesus made a deposit into our righteousness account, which paid our sin debt. Now let me see if I can illustrate that for you. Right here. So, see this right here? Oh, the guy who cleans up is going to get angry. See what that is? Know what that is? This is my wife's credit cards. <laughs> you know, some of us are taking the uh, FPU class in, uh, on uh, Tuesday nights, Financial Peace University, and they encourage us to have a plusectomy. That's to cut up our credit cards, right? But I had to, you know, I, I didn't want my wife to kind of tape them back together, so I put them in the shredder to make sure that we're totally gone. She couldn't. You know, oh, man, maybe I could buy something with this, right? See why we have to take the class. See all these? Anyway. So we learned in the class that most Americans consider or logizomai plastic credit cards as cash, don't they? But all of us know what? At the end of the month, that statement comes and you realize it's not cash. You still got to come up with the cash to pay that statement. Or what? What's the, what's the creditor going to do? What, what's, what are they going to charge you? Interest. Yeah. And then you get deeper and deeper into debt. So what do they do? They encourage us to have plasectomies and cut up our credit cards and use cash, cold hard cash. You know, one thing they do, they allow us to use something else. And this is my wife's debit card. Debit card, you know. They say, you can use this. Why? Because a debit card is backed by cash, right? Theoretically, if you don't have those, uh, you know, balance overdraw thing, if you overdraw it, it'll say decline. It won't let you. It won't let you do it because there's, there's nothing in there. So... I want you to think that all of us believers in Christ um, have 
a debit card of righteousness. With, uh, and if you look at the balance, go online and look at the balance, there's a one followed by an infinite number of zeros. That's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it covers all of our sin debts. We just have to believe or consider or reckon it to be so, legitimize it so. This is my favorite verse in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. In the same way that this card is backed by real cash, I know it doesn't look like cash, and if I gave it to you, you probably wouldn't want it. You probably want, uh, if I owed you money, you probably want the cash. But if you go into and stick this in the ATM, you'll find that it's backed by real currency. Uh, uh, October had three pay periods this month, so that was great. <laughs> in the same way, we must consider ourselves dead to sin despite how we may feel. We may feel like an overdrawn credit account, right? Don't we sometimes? We feel like God is like saying, oh, my, I can't believe Richard did that again. And we feel like we're over the limit. We're overdrawn on our credit card accounts, and we're just collecting compound interest, and we'll never get out of debt. Christ said, I paid that bill. Put it, to, put it on my tab. That's what Jesus Christ said. Put it on my tab. But we have to consider it. We have to think about these things throughout the day. That's what gives us the power to grow in our sanctification and not sin. We don't just, we gotta, we gotta know it, but we also gotta consider it in our hearts, believe it. That's how we grow in our sanctification to fulfill our des destiny. We gotta get access to that cash of righteousness. But what's the pin? What is the pin? Repentance and faith. That's the pen. That's how we access it. Well, that's how we walk in newness of life. And as Pastor said a few weeks ago, it's simple, but it's hard, right? Simple, but it's hard. So do you believe this, brothers and sisters? Do you, is this making sense? Do you believe this? Yes, I hope so. The person who is destined for new life is constantly considering him or herself dead to sin and alive to God. Put it in the bank. Consider it. Part three and final. So we know these truths about our sanctification, and we've considered them, these truths of our sanctification. We've reckoned them. Now Paul wants us to act in faith by presenting ourselves. You notice all these things I said, I gave no commands. The Bible's a lot like that. It wants you to know things and think about them, and then finally he wants us to move and act. Paul wants us to present ourselves, Romans 6, 12, and 13. He says, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to obey its passions. Do not present your members as sin, as, to sin as instruments of, for righteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought to death, from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Hope you can see there's a positive and negative aspect to that. First, he's saying, do not do something. And I hope you know that if your life is all about don't do stuff, you're never going to have the power. You have to actually do other things that crowd out the things that we shouldn't do. The power is in the do. Christian life is about we get to, not stop doing things. So what are we to present? Our members. What does that mean? Like our 
Gym card membership? No. Members are your hands, your feet, your eyes, your body, your sexual organs. We present them to God. Members, you've heard of being dismembered. It's an old word for body parts. And what we're supposed to do is present them to God, just like an offering, when we present our offering to God. And when you're presenting our offering, he's not asking you to be perfectly sinless. He's not asking you never to, you know, do wrong. He knows we're his children. He knows. He understands. God wants, remember, we have Jesus' righteousness in the bank. It's collecting compound interest. He just wants us to live for him, present ourselves before him. The pen is repentance and faith, and we just got to show up. Got to show up. And uh, you guys are doing that right now, showing up to church. That's part of presenting it. Um, um, okay, so how do we present? A uh, few things. Here are a few ideas. Um, meditating on the Word of God, reading the minute meditating on the Word of God. I talked about we have to know. you got to have a plan to get this into your head and then into your heart and work its way into your hands and your feet and your members. That's part of presentation. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Then he says in verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. So, I mean, what we do here on Sunday mornings for the hour is great. And, you know, you've got to be here. And um, the, uh, the Bible studies that they have on Wednesday nights, that's important. But you've got to have personal Bible time when you're just meditating on the Word. I must admit, I don't like to just sit and read. It just, my mind wavers. I listen to it on podcasts. I listen to the Word of God over and over while I'm at work. That's how I get it into my life. I, got, I just got to continue to listen to the Word of God. I commend that to you. Once I started listening on, some of you kids don't know what these are, CDs, you know. I started having my big disc man on my side and I had it on my ears. So that's one thing. We, I personally like to listen, you know, more than I read. Uh, but presentation also involves study. Study is not just for pastors. Study is for everybody. Everybody needs to be studying the Word of God. You know, you may say, well, I can't, I don't know fancy words like sanctification and logizomai. How am I going to learn words like that? Well, it, it's, it's not as complicated as you think. When we want to learn something, you know, if you like baseball, you want to learn about baseball, you, you go on YouTube, right? Or, uh, you, you know, whatever you're interested in, you, you go... You go on YouTube, you look at podcasts. One thing I do is go online. Um, there's two resources if you have a pen that I use that helps me prepare sermons or just studying. Uh, blueletterbible.org, or just Google Blue Letter Bible, or the Net Bible, Classic Net Bible. That's where you just click on it. You want to know what this word is in the Greek? Just click on it. You want to know where it's used everywhere in the Bible? Just another two clicks, and you can see everything. It's a great way to study. And everybody can do it. Boy, young kids, if you can use a computer, and we know they can, they're on their iPads for school, yeah, we have to get a chance. That's part of presenting ourselves to God and how we fulfill our destiny and our, grow in our sanctification. Another way to present ourselves is 
praise and worship, just what we were doing here. Hebrews 13, 15, through him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Praise, worship, singing is for everybody. I know anyone who sits near me is probably like, ooh, what is that? When they hear me sing, ooh, sounds terrible. Well, sorry, but praise and worship is for everything. Kids, don't just stand there. You got to sing and praise the Lord. He's given you these lips. Use them. That's part of presenting yourself. I encourage people, you know, I, it, my kids can't take it, but I, I sing around my house. I'm humming a, a praise to the Lord. You got it. You know, when you feel it, you got it. Even if you don't feel it, it'll change your attitude. Praise a little praise. The fruit of praise of the lips is a way of presenting ourselves to God. That's why he gave us these lips to praise him. Do it. Do it at work. You don't care what people think. Uh, and finally, uh, I think we can present ourselves in service. Romans 12.6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us sit on them, sit in the back of the church and just consume our religion. No, let us use them. God's given everybody a gift, spiritual gifts. They're all different. It's all unique as a snowflake. He's given everybody a particular spiritual gift. One of mine is cleaning. I love to clean. Not my house. That's my wife that. But I like to clean. I like cleaning and doing things like that. You know, I do it on the side. Um, everybody has a gift. From the youngest of the old of us, oldest of us needs to be serving. Serving our parents, serving our family, and serving in the church. I mean, if someone came up to Pastor Dave and said, hey, is there anything I can do to serve? After he stopped hugging you and ignoring the social distance rules and kissing you, he would say, yes, I'm sure he's got many things that people can do around here to serve the body of Christ. So let us know his word, let us consider his word, and let us act in faith by presenting ourselves to God so that we can uh, grow in our sanctification, fulfill our destiny to him. And before I close in prayer, if there's someone here in particular um, who wants that new life that I am spoke of, I'd love to pray for you. You can either raise your hand or silently. I, I, I'd be willing to pray for you. love to pray for you. I'd be willing to talk to you after the service more about what new life in Christ looks like. Also, if there's anyone who, who's been a believer or knows that they have new life in Christ, but they know that they've been kind of coasting, you know, with their bag of popcorn and their drink and just on the sidelines. Uh, and you want to say, you know what, I want to I present myself to God. I'd love to pray for you too. So why don't we pray now? Close. Oh, Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, minister and preach your word again. It's been thrilling, Lord God. It's been a long time. Thank you for the privilege, Lord God. But I pray that what I said here was truth, and that it's touched the hearts of your people, that will help them grow in their sanctification so that they can become more like Christ. Oh, that Christ would be formed in us, that we'd be more like him, that we would be that church, that shining city on the hill that can show people what you are like and know that they can be saved through faith in Christ, Lord. If there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus, Lord God, please, Continue to work on their hearts, prick their hearts for the 
I pray that their hearts still remain uh, soft and malleable to the calling of the Spirit and that they would not um, harden their heart, Lord God. I pray for your people who are, are not walking as they should, Lord, that you will draw them back to yourself, that they would walk in newness of life, Lord God. Thank you for this day in the Lord. Thank you for the communion uh, elements, this uh, wonderful picture of what Christ has done for us, Lord God. May it strengthen us throughout the week, Lord, and bless your people as we go into the week for Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.